Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey, Mountain Park Home Church Online Church family, it is great to be with you again. Hey, like I say every week, if I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, uh, it's great to meet you. My name is Andrew, and I'm one of the pastors at Mountain Park Church. So wherever you're watching this from, wherever you're listening to this from, it's just a privilege to be engaging with you together. I want to encourage you, use the chat um, in YouTube here or on Facebook or online, or send us an email. Actually, if you want to reach out and connect with us, we'd love to do that. But we're uh, drilling down again into the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, uh, get it out right now and open it up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We are breaking this down still. Paul packs so much stuff into Ephesians. So specifically, we've been looking at Ephesians 4 and the paragraph that is verses 11 to 16. We're going to drill in today and hone in on one specific barrier to our spiritual growth, to our maturing in Christ. Uh, We talked about that last week, but uh, we're going to actually get a little bit more specific about that uh, today. So uh, if we could, let's just pray before we get started. Jesus, we love you, and we just want to briefly just slow down even. (laughs) Slow my breathing down. Just want to slow down and just say, Holy Spirit, would you come? And specifically, I'm asking Holy Spirit for every situation represented by everyone under the sound of my voice, wherever they are watching this or listening to this, whatever is taking place in their work life or their family life, their spiritual life, their heart life, their mind life, I just ask Holy Spirit that you would come. We want to turn over leadership to you in these moments. We want to be led and directed by you. We ask for your wisdom and revelation as we open up the word of God together. And we just invite you, Jesus, to direct our thoughts. We take every thought captive now and bring them all under the authority of Jesus Christ. Father, if there are any Um, stressful situations, any areas of anxiety or worry, anything taking place in our lives that is distracting us from your presence, your voice, your, your ability and desire to speak to us. If there's anything right now even present spiritually in our lives that is actually robbing us from what you desire for us. In Jesus' name, we command all of those things to be brought under the authority of Christ. Everything on the earth, everything taking place in our life, and everything in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom, Father, um, of darkness, in that spiritual realm, bring it all under the authority of Christ right now. Everything that opposes your work, we just bring it under the authority of Christ. 
and command Jesus' name and authority over all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Ephesians 4, we've uh, been covering this again. The context of this is Paul in verse 1 saying, I want you to live worthy of the calling that is on your life. You have a calling, a purpose for your life from God. So do I. And Paul is saying, I want you to live worthy of that. Here are some things that you need to live worthy of that. And then he begins to talk about the body of Christ and the gifts that are represented in the body. And we've talked about that at length. You can go back to some of these weeks in the fall that we talked about that. But um, Paul is saying, look, um, the gifts of the Spirit and being exposed to them, operating in them, learning to use them, being trained in them, and, and, and their, uh, their involvement in the life of the church is an essential ingredient to, to maturity in Christ. We need that, actually. And uh, so Paul says that we need that for maturity in the life of Christ. Paul is also saying that maturity is actually requires us to grow into the fullness of the stature of, of Christ. That's the goal. The goal of the progression of spiritual maturity is to become like Jesus. In Galatians 4.19, Paul says um, that he is experiencing like the pains of labor until Christ is formed in the Galatian believers. So, the goal of spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness, and we've talked about this already, but that is not just believing what Jesus said or agreeing with it. That's actually living the way that Jesus lived, all right? So being formed into the likeness of Christ is actually the process, the spirit-driven process of being formed in the inner being and exterior world into Christ-likeness. It's both of those things coming together. So Paul is talking about living worthy of the calling of God in our lives. We talked about these barriers to spiritual maturity last week, right? So the first one is the dysfunction in the body. And we talked about that last week. The second one is a disconnection from the head. We're going to unpack that more today. And the third one is doctrinal deception and disunity. We're going to unpack that more in the weeks to come. But uh, disconnection dis from the head is what we're talking about. And so the goal is, um, is maturity. The target of maturity is to be formed in the fullness of Christ, the likeness of Christ. That happens. That's a spirit-driven process of forming our inner world. This is what Dallas Willard says. The spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. So one of the barriers to that is when we're disconnected from the head, when we're disconnected from Jesus. And what it means to be disconnected from Jesus is to actually be disconnected from his leadership in our lives. Does that make sense? Being disconnected from the head doesn't mean just being disconnected doctrinally with what we believe. That's part of it, obviously, for sure. But it actually means being disconnected from his leadership in every sphere of our lives. It means not allowing him to lead 
our behaving, thinking, responding, acting, feeling, etc. All right? So the head in all of our lives, in our natural bodies, the head directs the whole life of the body. The head controls the movements of the body. The head controls every system and function, and that's what Jesus actually is requiring of us in our whole life, not just our spiritual life, but the entirety of our life. This is what Jesus modeled. So again, Paul is saying that conformity to the image of Christ, being formed in the image of Christ, measuring to the full stature of Christ is the goal. Well, one of the things that Jesus modeled was living under and dependent to the leadership of the Father. Look at what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. This is John 5, 19. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. John 5, 30. I can do nothing on my own. This is Jesus saying this. John 8, 26. He says, um, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. I have lots that I could interject into your life right now is what Jesus was saying. There's lots of material to work with here in bringing correction and rebuke to your life, but I won't, for I say only what I've heard from the one who sent me. And he is completely truthful. John 8, 28, Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father has taught me. So Jesus gives us a model for living, a model of dependence on God for leadership over all of our life. This is what it means to be connected to the head. And one of the barriers for growth in our life is when we have parts of our life that are disconnected from the leadership of Jesus. This is the way that David said it. You've probably heard this a thousand times, but I want you to hear this in context with, in relation to these things that Jesus has just said. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me. I want you to underline that. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me. Underline that few words. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Underline, he renews. He guides. Underline that. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. What is David saying? I have allowed, I've surrendered leadership to Jesus in every sphere of my life. He is the one who is setting the pace and the direction and the timing and the values of my life. That's what it means to be connected to the head. So if we are to grow into maturity, we have to guard ourselves against being disconnected from the leadership of Jesus in different areas of our life. What this will require of you and I is to make a shift from ourselves being the center of our life, and most specifically even ourselves being the center of our spiritual life, to Jesus being the one who leads every facet of our life, and even and especially Jesus who leads our very spiritual life itself. I want to say something to you, and I don't mean this to be offensive in any way, 
but I do want it to be jarring to you. So I'm going to use specific language. You are not in control of your spiritual growth. You are not in control or in charge. You could use that word too. You're not in control or in charge of your spiritual growth. It's not something that Jesus has said, hey, I want you to lead this in your life. I want you to study, you know, everything you want to study and ingest all of the information you want to ingest. And I want you to set the, the pace for prayer in your life. And I want you to set the parameters for, you know, uh, meditating on scripture. And I want you to be in charge of all of these things in your life. I want you to do it the way that you think is best for you and all of this stuff. We are not in control of our spiritual life. Paul says it this way. In 1 Corinthians, he said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but it's God that makes it grow. Here's what God was saying to the Israelites. As they are on the east side of the Jordan River, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're standing on the banks of the Jordan, across on the other side of the Jordan, is the promised land. It's the place of promise from God. It's their inheritance from God. It's the place of their calling from God, the place of God's provision in their life, the fulfillment of their destiny, the very purpose for God uh, sort of in their lives is on the other side of the Jordan. And this is what God says, when you go into that place, when you step into that place where you're fulfilling and living into my purposes and plans for you, this is what God says, do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan people worship their gods. I want you to circle or underline the in the way words. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among the tribes. Underline that part. He himself will choose. The place where his name will be honored. And get this, verse 13. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. This is God warning the Israelites as they're on the shores of the Jordan River, on the banks of the Jordan River, even your spiritual life, your spiritual acts of devotion and worship to me are not yours to determine and control. They're not yours to be in charge of. Essentially, what God was contrasting for them was the practice of the pagan nations where any Joe Schmo could walk out of his house into his backyard and do whatever he wanted. And God was saying, look, I'm not going to give you the path of least resistance. I'm not going to allow you to just make this all about you and serving your needs and your wants and your desires. I'm going to call you to lay your desires and your life down, to be intentional and to have it actually cost you something. You're going to have to leave your place, your preferred way of doing things, and meet me at the place that I choose. And of course, today we don't offer God sacrifices in these ways. He hasn't called, we don't live 
in the ancient Near East thousands of years before Jesus himself, but this principle remains. And I think one of the prophetic challenges of God to our self-centered culture right now, our self-centered Christian consumeristic culture is that you are not in control of your spiritual life. You don't get to set the terms and determine everything that you are going to do. You are not in leadership even of your spiritual life. And I think in a, a way we, we not even aware of it, we have been born into a culture that places ourself at the center of our spiritual life, that places ourself at the center of even our salvation story, that places ourself at the center of our gifting, that places ourself at the center of what we want to learn and consume and ingest and what we're willing to do or what we're willing to not do for Jesus. This is actually a disconnection from the head because the head must lead and direct the body. If we want to grow into maturity, be formed into the image of Christ, like Jesus, we must look to God to provide leadership in every area of our life. So here's my question. And I want you, let's just take a moment, just be still, Slow your thinking down. <laughs> Take a deep breath, whatever you need to do. And I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit that you would even just in this moment bring conviction, um, bring revelation, and bring clarity, bring light to the dark areas of our heart and our life. Are there areas of our life that we have not invited or allowed Jesus to lead? Are there areas of our financial life or our future planning life or our marriage life, dating life, relationship life, parenting life, work life, enjoyment life, kickback life, chill out and decompress life, spiritual life? that we've been reluctant to allow Jesus leadership in. And I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit for each one of us that if there are areas that we've been withholding from God, that you would bring them to mind. I think one of the greatest fears that we have in giving Jesus full access and leadership to every sphere of our life is we're afraid of what he'll say as we lay our lives at his feet, as we lay them on the table, so to speak, all of the things, all of our passions and dreams and hopes and fears and all of these things, one of our greatest fears is what will he say when I bring this before him? Well, I want to encourage you today, and I'm in this same boat, that if we're not willing to actually surrender these things and bring them before him, then Jesus is not actually head over our lives. He's not actually operating in a position of lordship. Jesus said everything 
I say I've already heard from the Father. I don't say anything outside of what God, the Father, has already spoken to me. And I don't do anything that he hasn't already actually invited me to do. My life is completely led and dependent on him. Where are the areas of your life and my life that we are withholding that leadership of God in? God was getting at for the Israelites, look, even in this area of your spiritual lives, you don't get to lead that on your own terms or in your own way according to what you want. So I have a question for you. Is your spiritual life under the leadership of Jesus? And you may think that's a stupid question, Andrew. Of course it is, but I just hold on. I want you to sit back. I want you again to just invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. Is Jesus leading your spiritual life? Is he the one at the center of your spiritual life or are you? You see, we live in a culture right now that is defined by the word attention. It's what we are um, controlled by. The digital big tech companies have realized that our attention is the greatest commodity on earth. And they have very sophisticated ways of capturing and keeping and drawing back your attention and my attention. Our attention is the greatest commodity on earth right now. But I want to say this. Whatever has our attention is what's actually leading us. Jesus said that our greatest commandment is to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. But we can't love something unless our attention is on it. What we give our attention to is what we actually, in fact, love. I want you to reflect, and I'm going to do this to reflect on your last few weeks. Where has your attention gone? What has consumed your thought life, your inner thought life? What has consumed the habits of how you spend your day and what you do? We cannot love something that we give no attention to. So what is that thing in your life and in my life that consumes the greatest amount of our attention? Jesus said that we are to seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, Seeking something requires that we look everywhere for it. The kingdom of God is the act of reach and the range of God's will. It's where what God wants to accomplish, where what he desires to be fulfilled is fulfilled. Seeking the kingdom of God means in every sphere of our life, looking for what God wants done. What God's desire is in every sphere of our life, is that indicative of how we're living our life today? Our problem right now is a problem of attention in our culture. 
COVID has robbed us of our attention. And we've gone through a year of, you know, newsfeed tickers that are giving us, you know, hour by hour updates on, you know, death totals and on what's happening in this country and that country and all of these statistics that are occupying our attention and our mind. COVID has grabbed a huge swath of our attention and social media grabs a swath of our attention and Netflix and Disney Plus and all of these other things grab our attention and we grab our own attention because we we long to actually just have reprieve from everything. We long to chill out and zone out. And so we occupy our time. We fill our time with everything we can. And our problem is attention. You know, scientists say that our average attention span right now is eight seconds. In 20 or in the year 2000, it was 12 seconds. Coincidentally, in the year 2000 is when smartphones were launched into our world. So our average attention span right now is eight seconds. Did you know that scientists believe the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds? We are literally behind a goldfish, and that's why I wore this shirt with a fishes on it. You might have been wondering, what in the world is Andrew doing? Like, he's never worn a shirt with fish things, fishes on it. That's why I did it uh, as a, a living, breathing illustration for you. Anyway, um, goldfish have a longer attention span than the average person today. What is capturing your attention in the moments that you have it? The average worker checks their email 30 times in an hour throughout the day. The average user picks up their phone 1,500 times a week. Right now, the average time on a smartphone per day is three hours and 13 minutes a day on our smartphone. This year in the United States, amidst the pandemic, the average digital daily media consumption that's across all platforms and avenues went up by an hour. That brings us to an average total per day of consuming digital content, like giving our attention to everything under the sun from a digital content perspective, seven hours and 50 minutes every day. Can I ask you a gentle question that I ask myself that may stir deep conviction in you? How much time do you give to Jesus every day? Undivided, undistracted attention. It's pretty hard to imagine us being led by Jesus, being led by Jesus who is the head of the church, if he has none of our attention or very, very little of it? How can Jesus direct our lives when our attention is turned toward so many other things? I want to propose to you that the most important and most difficult shift we're being called to make in our culture as a response against our culture right now. Somebody, uh, I had heard somebody once said that revivals always break out 
in the opposite spirit of what's happening in culture at the time. It's in the opposite of what is consuming the culture that often revival and renewal break out. I want to call you to one of the most important but most difficult shifts that you and I need to make in giving Jesus leadership over our lives. And that's to engage in intentionally in the practice of silence and solitude in your spiritual life. As a legitimate, intentional decision to take your attention that's being given to so many other things through the day, to take your attention and guard moments of it just for the purposes of Jesus. And I'm not talking about taking your attention and going and watching YouTube videos of the theology and doctrine that you're interested in learning from Scripture. I'm not talking about taking your attention and putting on your favorite preacher or listening to your favorite podcast or even favorite worship music. I'm not talking about even reading what you want to read in Scripture. All of those things are good. All of those things are fine. What I'm talking about is taking um, uh, a specific amount of time in a day. I'm going to suggest starting with 10 minutes. A specific amount of time. Moving yourself out of the center of that, putting Jesus at the center, at the head of that, and saying, Jesus, this time is yours to do what you want in my life to expose what you want to expose, to convict what you want to convict, to speak into whatever you want to speak into, to direct me in any area of my life that you want to direct me in. David said this, Psalm 62, verse 5. He said, let all that I am, (laughs) let every facet of my life wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. Isaiah said this, they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You just need to go through the gospels to see that it was a regular practice of Jesus's life to intentionally move into um, periods of solitude and silence. Often the Bible says that Jesus withdrew to lonely places. We often find Jesus, you know, after crazy, hectic, busy schedules, he had a jam-packed schedule, tens of thousands of people vying for his attention, people wanting healing, people wanting to confront him, uh, people pulling him in a hundred different directions every day. And often we see in the Gospels that in the night, in the middle of the night, Jesus would withdraw to lonely places so that he could separate himself from the attention-seeking everything of life and devote himself to God. Give his time and attention specifically to God and intentionally to God. Silence and solitude and the practice of those are deeply biblical. Here's what's happened in our life. Our life, you know, might be a little bit like this jar and there's some sediment on the bottom of this. And what we want for life is we want clarity, 
and this doesn't have total clarity yet because it hasn't distilled all the way, but what we long for in life is clear water, the clear water of our soul, the ability to uh, just walk in clarity, to walk uh, not in confusion, but in confidence and in purpose, to, to live up and into the calling God has given us for our life. But often, right now in our life, with everything going on with COVID, for all of these things vying for our attention, this is what happens in our life every day as our attention is shifted and drawn into a thousand other things, and this thing is leaking, but that's okay. Drawn into a thousand other things, it clouds the water of our soul. It clouds the water of our life, and we actually end up walking in the dark. We're, we're inhibited, we're burdened, we're bound up because everything is vying for our attention, and we have no way to satisfy all of these different needs in our life. We have no way to address all of the cares and the concerns of life. We have no way to adequately, um, you know, figure out everything that's being demanded of us. We have no way to make sense of everything. And right now in our lives with our attention, the world is shaking. The world is shaking. And what we need, what we need more than anything right now, I'm convinced, is to reintroduce this practice of silence and solitude before God. So that as we do that, and as we get intentional about it, the sediment begins to settle, and the water gets clearer, and the way gets clearer. And the leadership from Jesus is clearer. The leadership from Jesus in your home life and in your work life and in your financial life and in your pleasure life and in your future life and in your planning life, the leadership from Jesus gets clearer. And you're able to walk with confidence. You're able to walk in stillness and in peace. This is what Jesus wants for our lives. That's why he wants to lead and direct us. But we cannot be connected to the head when our life looks like this. When our attention is fragmented in a thousand different directions. And so I'm going to call you to what many people throughout church history have deemed to be the most extreme and difficult spiritual practice, and that is of silence and solitude. I want to assure you that it is deeply biblical. We're not talking about, um, you know, mindfulness. We're not talking about Eastern religion here. Those actually have um, stolen, actually, the truth of what Scripture brings to us. Everything that is found in the world, everything that comes from the kingdom of darkness is a counterfeit of the original that God has designed for our goodness. And so we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about setting time aside for the leadership and direction of God as a direct response to the spirit of this age, which is to flood and fill with information, to occupy every moment of our attention, to, to uh, you know, um, monetize every moment of our awake life and even our sleeping life. We need to actually step into the practices of Jesus of silence and solitude. These happen in two different ways, external and internal. 
So how do we step into external silence and solitude? Well, we actually need to just uh, create a strategy to turn off our phones, to step away from the noise of life. Um, we need to find a time in our day, whatever works in the rhythm of work and life and whatever that you're in, Oh, here's what I want to challenge you with, to start with a 10-minute block. If you could do 30, that would be amazing, but start with a 10-minute block. Find a time in your day that you could set aside 10 minutes. If you've got young kids, here's the challenge. This is where offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to God come in. If you've got young kids, you may have to get up earlier. Get up before they get up. Set aside 10 minutes of your time. This is the external kind of pushing back and pushing away all of the things vying for our attention. Uh, when I began to do this a couple of years ago, I started getting up earlier than everyone in the house. And um, I, I had set aside that time as my blocked off time. I would get up early and I would go down into our living room. That became my sacred space in our house to pray. I'd get on my knees uh, at the couch and I would and I would pray. I wasn't doing Bible study. I wasn't reading. I didn't have music on. I was not consuming anything else. I had just simply carved out that time to pray. That's step one, is, is defining some external space, some external space of silence and solitude, away from the noise, away from the distraction, and away from um, that kind of thing. And then secondly, we need to create solitude and silence internally. And this is really hard. This is really difficult. When I started this journey in this area of my life a few years ago, I would start with prayer. And, and I filled up, if there was an hour that I was, you know, praying or setting aside time for prayer, usually it was about that. I filled up that hour with me talking Going through, I had detailed prayer lists and I had detailed things that I was praying through and, and I filled up that hour with me talking. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Maybe that's what you need to do is fill up that hour or that 10 minutes. Hopefully you don't fill just 10 minutes with talking, but what I want to encourage you to do, if you're wondering where to get started, take that verse from Matthew 12, um, or Matthew 11, whatever it is, Jesus's words, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And just start with that. Just start and say, God, in this moment, with this time, in these minutes here, I'm handing over leadership of my life, even my spiritual life to you, Jesus. My desire is to love you with every part of my being. And you can quote that verse. I want you to memorize it, quote it, and say, God, everything that happens now, I'm handing over to you to lead. And then just be still and be quiet. That's how we begin this process. And if you need to, you can come back to that verse to kind of bring you back on track. And often when we're beginning this, we need to sort of fill the space because it's it's hard. This is a, extremely difficult for most of us, but I want you to push through and persevere. We may think that there's no value in it. We're not getting something out of it, but that is actually a faulty mindset. 
We're not doing this to get something out of it. We're not doing this to accomplish something or achieve something. We're doing this because we want to know what it is to love God with our whole being. We want to actually demonstrate that we are uh, giving him direction of our whole life. And so if you need to pray as you start this, that's okay. If you need to just sit with that verse, then do that. But as you go, I want to encourage you to begin to give more and more time away to God for his agenda. Now when I am in prayer, I usually start with Psalm 23 in the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, and then I just go quiet. And sometimes I'm quiet for a half an hour at a time. Sometimes if it's my mind has been racing, I need to come back to that. But more and more I'm saying, God, I, I want this time is your time, not my time. It's your time to bring to mind, you know, what it is you want to speak into my life, to, to do whatever it is you want to do in my heart. And often the most intimidating part of this is that when we are still and when we are quiet, we're often confronted with things that get covered over in the noise of life. And yet these are the very things that Jesus wants to break through the noise in and actually bring life and healing to, redemption to. He wants to speak into these areas of your life and my life, but we'll never get there. We'll never be formed into the image of Christ in our inner being unless we actually walk through these waters together. So this idea of silence and solitude confronts our self-driven, self-motivated, self-directed, self-desiring spiritual lives. It's actually a purposeful, intentional pushing back of everything available to us. And I want to encourage you with this last thing. We aren't in charge of our spiritual life. Often, we just run by what we want to do in the moment. Hey, I want to learn this right now, and I do this too, and I want to hear from this preacher, and I just need to hear a word from that preacher, and I feel like I want to learn about this bit of theology or whatever it is. And often we, without even thinking, that's how we fill our lives spiritually. But I want to encourage you or challenge you with this. Between now and Easter, would you take a challenge to actually turn off every podcast, to stop listening to every preacher, even me, if you want? <laughs> That might be the best place to start. But uh, stop listening to preachers. Stop listening to podcasts. Stop watching YouTube videos. Turn off the noise. And between now and Easter, only read the Bible and spend time in solitude and silence with God. Can I challenge you with that? That may be the most difficult thing you've ever thought of doing. This practice of silence and solitude is so easy to talk about, but so difficult to do. But I can testify from personal experience. It is one of the most um, rewarding and enriching and life-giving practices of Jesus's that you could ever enter into. And it's not going to come in the first day, and it's not going to come in the first week. 
most of the time that I spend, I, I hear nothing. I sense nothing. I feel nothing. But I can tell you most assuredly that the deepest work of God in my life in the last year and a half has come as I've taken his word, gone into moments of silence and solitude and allowed him to set the pace and the direction of my spiritual life. There are things that he wants to speak into your life that you have no idea about. And he's a gentle, unassuming God. He's not going to vie for your attention. So the question is, would you give your attention to Jesus today again? We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.